Welcome everyone to today's episode of the Heat Assist Podcast. I'm going to be your host today. I'm David. And who's joining me? Hey guys, this is Steven. Hey everybody, I'm Carson. And for today's episode, we're going to talk about the Miami Heat's victory in Game 1 of the Eastern Conference Finals. Now this was a very close and competitive game. Like one for the history, I would say. Like very memorable game. But first let's start with some um, NBA news in that Jimmy Butler made the All-NBA second team. Uh, that's you know quite an accomplishment for for the Heat superstar, and I think it was a day after his birthday as well. So it's like a good present for him, I would say. Um, but what's an even better present is um, the Heat winning in Game One of the Eastern Conference Finals, as we mentioned. But it, it actually started out horribly for the Miami Heat, especially in the first quarter where. They couldn't hit a shot. They were six out of twenty-two from the field goal. I think it was just the Heat, not just not taking good shots, like just settling for jump shots that the defense give them, and just missing some really makeable shots. Person who who shot the most was Bam Adebayo, and you know this was something I was interested in and in seeing how the Celtics would guard Bam Adebayo. And they started out with Daniel Tice guarding one on one with Bam, but what's he did a solid job. But like whenever Bam would beat Daniel Tice. The Celtics were to collapse on him. Um, mostly, Jason Tatum would come and help out, and like just that really bothered Bam. Like there was a play where Jason Tatum was able to knock the ball out of Bam's hand. Um, Daniel Tice was able to block Bam from behind, and like he was able to. Uh, Daniel Tice was able to force Bam to shoot some long mid range, which he missed. Like in this first quarter, Bam was two for seven, just missing a lot of shots, and. Um, I thought the other superstar, Jimmy Butler, he was very passive in this game, in this quarter, in that I, I thought he was able to drive into the paint, but he didn't try to draw a foul or shoot it. He would just pass it out, and it didn't really lead to any meaningful possessions. Like, I thought he was aggressive, but he just couldn't finish it, like, just always passing the ball away. Um, and it showed that like, he only attempted two, two field goals in the first quarter. But what, what was interesting was the Heat, like, started out with a switching defense, and um, just constantly switching uh, instead of like trying to fight through pick and rolls and just helping out whenever the Celtics were driving in. And like that led to a lot of good looks for Marcus Smart, where Marcus Smart defender would usually like sag off of him to help he players who are trying to contain the, the penetration by the Boston Celtics. And Marcus Smart shot eight three point shots in the first quarter, only four of them. Like, and some of them, like the like the first two were just like open threes, but then like his last two threes were like contested threes, including one that was contested by Bam at the top of the key. Like he seems, he seemed like he was on fire, and like he was backed by Jason Tatum, who um, was very meticulous in how he scored. Like because he were always switching, the Celtics tried to set up either Tyler Hero or Kendrick Nunn to be on Jason Tatum, and once those were on Jason Tatum, he would just shoot a, a step back shot and he'll make it over these smaller defenders. What I found startling was like how freely the Celtics were able to penetrate, drive it into the paint and create like open looks for themselves, like driving it in and, and the heat would collapse and they were able to pass it out to open men. Open men tend to be Marcus Smart. I thought it, it helped a bit when the heat bench came in. They, you know, Kelly Olene, Tyler Hero and Kendrick Nunn came in, they went to a zone, and that was able to stop the pen, the dribble penetration by the Celtics and just create tougher shots for the Celtics. Um, do you notice anything else, Steven? 
honestly, the only really thing that stood out for me was how Marcus Smart was making everything. <laughs> right. And I think that was just a huge boost that us as Heat fans were not expecting. You know, for Marcus Smart to be able to score so many points, that was a huge, huge plus for for the Celtics and for him to just be able to carry that load that you know they're going to need to be able to score enough points to beat the Heat. It definitely wasn't a start that I was looking for, not to mention that having a lot of time off, I feel like that's why they had a, such a slow start in the first quarter. You know, just rust from that from having so many days off, whereas the Celtics came off just a few days rest off a very hard-fought series, so they might have been in better rhythm than the Heat. And mm-hmm. as the game went on, the, the Miami Heat players started getting their groove back. But I thought, that, like you mentioned, when the second unit came in and implemented that zone, I think that was so crucial for Eric Sposer to realize, like, we got to change the the pace of the game, the rhythm, mm-hmm. just so that we can kind of acclimate ourselves and stop the hemorrhage, just because it just felt the... The Celtics were really, really on fire. Like Tatum and Smart, they, it just felt like they're putting up every single shot up and they were going in. And not to mention they were playing good defense, right? It's going to be a hard-fought series uh, just because of how Brad Stevens creates such a dynamic defense. Well, yeah. there, was one more, there was one bright thing about the Heat. They only had one turnover in the, for, in the first quarter. <laughs> yes, that's that's so, true. They usually start out really slow. That's that's pretty common. Compared, compared to what they did previous game when they were against the Bucks, i say that was a huge uh, plus for the Heat. I would say that was the only bright side, yes. For that uh, quarter, anyway. <laughs> yes, for the first quarter. Now, for the second quarter, dang, that, like, this is a huge turnaround. Like, the Heat... It seemed like they couldn't miss in this quarter. They were 15 out of 22 overall, um, including 6 out of 8 from 3-point. I think what's what's um, really important about the 3-point shot was Heat were 5 from 5 from corner threes. They took advantage of that of that easy shot. And also they got to the free-throw line, and they were 9 out of 12 from within the free-throw line. So they were taking it to the rim and just hitting like floaters in mid-range as well. And I think what led the way uh, was Goran Dragic. He really took advantage of Kemper Walker defense in this quarter. Like it seems like every time he was if he was guarded by Kemper Walker, he would drive it, take it to the rim and lay it up. Um, or they'll they'll run a pick and roll against Daniel Tice and just attacking Daniel Tice that way as well. Um like Corn Dragish was had a superb quarter, five out of six in this game leading the way. I thought Jimmy Butler finally stopped passing the ball around so much and finally started taking some shots. Um he was three out of four. He even made a three, surprisingly. You know, the the Heat in this quarter, they stuck with the zone a lot, I felt like, especially when Kelly Olenek was in and for center. And I thought that led to like some just offensive rebounds by the Celtics, uh, which kind of kept in, in the game. Uh, especially Brad Wanamaker going off in his quarter. Like, I, th- I thought he was very aggressive in, in attacking his matchup when he, whenever he was guarded by Tyler Hero. You know, Brad Wanamaker made, got to the free throw line five times in his quarter and had three assists with nine points. Like, wow, we didn't really see that coming. But overall, like, the Heat were able to, you know, close that deficit they had in the first quarter. And I, I believe they tied the game up by the halftime. Uh, did you guys notice anything else? Well, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the corner threes because this is something I wanted to bring up. The, the Heat, the Miami Heat, like, shooters, they don't normally shoot corner threes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the highest percentage of like the shooters anyway, I'm t- and when I mean shooters, I mean Duncan Robinson, Goran Dragic, and Tyler Hero. Those three guys, the highest percentage of corner threes that they usually take is Duncan Robinson. 23% of his uh, three-pointers are from, from the corner. He's the highest out of all those three guys. Like, mm-hmm. I, it's just amazing how 
they're making those shots because they don't normally take a lot of those shots. All their most of their three pointers are like the harder ones, pretty much the ones that are further away. Like that's the only thing I got from that corner. Besides the Wanamaker one, like going off and like he was the best player mm-hmm. on the bench for the Boston Celtics. And normally the Boston Celtics, as we said last episode, their bench isn't normally like their strong point. Yeah. Um... Like a lot of the things that I was that I thought the Heat were good at, they were just average on it. Like they didn't. I thought they were just gonna play better than the Boston Celtics in in the regards, mainly the bench. Okay. And I thought the Boston Celtics bench played just much better than the Heat than the Heat's bench. I thought they were just uh, way more effective, mainly because of Wanamaker. Well, to give credit to the Heat, I thought they their the offense had a lot more movement in this game. Like they made more cuts. Yeah. For Bam, like he had five assists in his game. Like a complete difference. And from the first quarter, I thought they were very not aggressive, or they weren't moving much in the first quarter. But in the second quarter, they they let Bam do his thing, trying to yeah. find a find find a cutting man, and it let like generally a lot of shots. Um, I thought Tyler Hero was great in transition yeah. offense, just leading like fast break and also initiating the fast break like he had three assists in this quarter as well like man he was oh i love it i love seeing him run the fast break they, and just pushing the train he'd have really like from a from a passing standpoint it's really like beautiful to watch mm-hmm. like they have a really like nice passing game it's kind of like the warriors passing game yeah I, I like how you brought up bam in this quarter david how he had five assists and the fact that tyler here was pushing the pace as well doing transition mm-hmm. Goran Dragic as well Going back to how Spolstra is making adjustments on the fly, I think that was one of the biggest adjustments he made for the offensive side of the Heat. Just trying to push the pace, putting pressure through Bam and the transition offense. And that really changed our uh, our outlook and how to score. Because, man, we were just struggling to score in, uh, in the first quarter. But those small changes, just having a more uh, attacking mind and having Bam to be the center of that offense, I thought it was it just made all the difference. And you look at what he tried to do, in, uh, comparing the first quarter and the second quarter, where in the first quarter you mentioned he went two for seven. Well, in this quarter he only went one for two, but he had five assists. So mm-hmm. you could tell that the shift in how he was he was going to attack, not necessarily the basket, but how he was going to be implemented in the in the offense, completely changed and became so successful. And it doesn't help. It it doesn't hurt that the Heat shot so well. Um, like you mentioned, the the percentages were so high, and you know it it, it just. It definitely brought back hope. Yeah. I mean, the, mm-hmm. yeah, the Heat shot 68% in this quarter. That's unbelievable <laughs> as a team. 68% field goal, from the field goals, 75% from three. They, they had some life in this quarter. This is the this quarter was, gave me some hope, but then it kind of crashed down a little bit the next oh, quarter. Third quarter, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, I thought they did. Well, I thought Kemba Walker really struggled in this quarter. Yeah. Um, I, besides he struggled over- the whole game. Yeah, for the whole game, yeah, but um, I think, yeah, well, for some stretches of the fourth and overtime, I thought he, yeah, he had a little bit of success, but it was really bad in the second quarter. Besides going over five, like, he gave up some layups to Goran Dragic, or, like, he was getting picked on by Goran Dragic in this quarter. Yeah. Like, just being a negative on offense and defense, like, it, it was definitely, as a Heat fan, it was definitely fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, there was also, I think they were also trying to, like, make an effort into, like, get Jimmy to like switch on um to get on offense to get switched on uh Walker Kemba Walker guarding him because mm-hmm. then Jimmy would just try to take it to the hole right. so there was one play where he was just he pretty much posted him up yeah and he didn't even do any nothing fancy he just turned around and then just shot it over him yeah like the heat were looking 
like trying to pick on Kemba Walker all the time. Like, and if he's not scoring like he usually does, or I guess during the regular season, not in the playoffs because he's been struggling in playoffs. But yeah, I can't tell you how how awful he was in the second quarter. Like, it really hurt the Boston Celtics. But the third quarter comes, and it seems like it's a repeat of the first quarter in which the Heat struggle once again to to make any shots, to get any rhythm going. And like Marcus Smart blew up again in this quarter. He hit two threes in uh in this quarter, and like one of them was from the Heat playing zone, and you know the Celtics was like, was just able to break that zone and find kept kept passing it and found an open Marcus Smart for an easy three. And his other three was coming off like a transition possession. Like I think they just grabbed a rebound and they pushed it and they found Marcus Smart wide open three, taking advantage of the transition, like the lack of trans- transition defense by the Heat. Uh, and he also got to the free throw line three times as well, scoring 10 points in his quarter. Even though Cameron Walker kind of, um, he struggled shooting again, but at least he was able to get to the free throw line, get the matchups he wanted. And I, I thought what the Heat did was, I think they start doing it in this quarter. They start trapping him at the like. Yeah, they, the did fa- it, they did it pretty close to like the end. They they always they yeah. kind of trap Kemba Walker. Yeah, I think they did well because they got um, Grant Williams in. But like I thought, like Kemba Walker was starting to heat up, and I thought that was a good like a good time to implement it. I thought if Kemba, Kemba Walker was starting to you know, starting to heat up, and like I think it was a nice disruption. This is by far the Heat's worst quarter. Like at least in the first quarter, even though they did bad, they at least they kept it within the single digits. This one, they just got completely destroyed by twelve points. I thought they were sloppy too. Like six turnovers yeah. in this quarter. Like there was yeah. numerous times where they like they tried to run a like a fast break, but they could like they, the Boston Celtics had five steals this quarter, two from Tatum and then three from Wanamaker. And I didn't even think those steals were like tough steals. I think they were just they were the Heat were just careless. Yeah, and I thought they I, I thought they played really good defense. I thought Jason Tatum once again take, took advantage of this matchup. Uh, Jason Tatum was only um, two out of five, but they were both on Kelly Olynyk. Whenever he got matched up on Kelly Olynyk, <laughs> he he would just hit a step back, hit a step back uh, field goal in the baseline, and then he hit a step back three, and both were on Kelly Olynyk like. He take advantage of those of those defenders that can't close out on that step back. Like he creates so much separation with that step back, and if you're not on him, it, it's 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 like automatic for Jason Tatum if you're not if you're not contesting that step back. But I thought where they really fell apart was in the last two minutes of this quarter. They were zero for three, and they had two turnovers. They only had two points, which was two free throws from uh, Kelly Olynyk. What the Celtics did with those two turnovers and in those two minutes, they shot two threes, and they also shot six free throws, which was from two fouls from a three-point shot, uh, including Kendrick Nunn fouling Kemba Walker for oh a three-point foul shot. The it Celtics scored 12 points in those two minutes. And and not only that, but he hasn't been shooting well. I, I have more to say about Kendrick Nunn at the end, but yeah. I'll save that for later. <laughs> but I think what was also depressing was uh, Duncan Robinson. <sighs> yeah, you know, I, I thought he had, I thought he had good looks. He just, or he, he had shots he would normally make, but he just wasn't making it. It's just depressing. I think it got in his head too. Like, <sighs> I mean, to be fair, he wasn't the only one making shots because the Heat was six out of twenty-one. But oh man, this was an ugly quarter. And uh, it's it's it's, pre- it's depressing to see Duncan Robinson continue to struggle in the playoffs. In this particular game, I think it's important to mention that Duncan Robinson only played a little over three minutes in the first half due to foul trouble, mm-hmm. and I think that's what put him off rhythm coming into the second half. 
mm-hmm. being restricted by minutes due to his, you know, I, I, I hate to say it, his poor defense and just being targeted by the Celtics. It was just, uh, you know, it's throwing his game off. And I'm curious to see how the Heat can figure out how to make better use of him or maybe protect him better on the defensive end just because mm-hmm. it feels like his defensive woes are starting to affect his offensive confidence. So, but yeah, I, I completely agree. It's been somewhat disappointing because I thought Duncan Robinson would be very important to get that three-point game going for the Heat. One other thing I, I, I thought was disappointing in this quarter was just Bama Bio. Um, they got Daniel Tice into foul trouble. I, I think with it was like eight minutes in the third quarter, but like they subbed Daniel Tice out. They put in Robert Williams the third, aka Time Lord, and Bam didn't really take advantage of that matchup. Like, I thought. I thought Bam is probably quicker than I would have liked to see Bam be more aggressive or just try to take advantage of the minutes that Daniel Tice is not in. But unfortunately, you know, he couldn't really get that going either. Just overall disappointing third third quarter. I wasn't worried yet. I mean, leading to the fourth quarter, I was starting to get worried. But like this, this was not a good not a good quarter for the Heat. Yeah, I mean, especially the first few minutes in the fourth quarter where the you know the Buck the Celtics, you know, the Heat didn't start out too well, but. Um, I thought what was interesting, they continue to trap uh, Campbell Walker like near the half court line, you know, taking advantage of whenever Grant Williams was in, whoever's guarding Grant Williams will leave him to trap Campbell Walker, you know, near the half court, uh, half court line. And like, that's how they started out. And I, I thought that, you know, it still gave Campbell Walker trouble, but, but they ran it one time where Grant Williams was out, like he wasn't in the play and they ran it and did the Celtics was able to get a three off of that. Like, like yeah, that it overstayed its welcome. Like, but I'm glad, like, after that made three, the Heat no longer did that. But they still, um, they still put a lot of pressure on Kemba Walker. Like, at one point, they, they switched Jay Crowder onto him to um, guard Kemba Walker the most of the time. I thought Crowder did a really good job on Kemba Walker in, the, in those closing minutes. I thought what was really good in this quarter was they went to Bam more in that they ran more plays with Bam off the elbow and just trying to have Bam make more uh, passes and just get him more involved in the offense. And I, I thought he was he was pretty aggressive in this game uh, in, in the fourth quarter and, and, and cutting down the lead. Like, they played great defense on the Celtics, the Heat, but then it was like Bam getting to the free-throw line, being aggressive, getting Daniel Tice into foul trouble again. Like, Bam was six out of eight from the free throw line. And like, it was like at one point in the middle of the fourth quarter, like it was like play after play, he was getting to the free throw line. And like, it looked like Bam in that bubble game, just being like aggressive and attacking. Did you guys know there's anything else? Uh, I just another spectacular quarter by the Heat. Um, I mean, just looking at the general box score, 10 of 14, 71.4% overall, five of nine from the three point line, which is 56%, 10 of 12 from the free throw line, Mm-hmm. Uh, which was uh, six for eight from Bam himself. Ten assists on only two turnovers. So you know we really stepped up on the offensive end, and I think that has a lot to do with the Heat's best lineup of having uh, Jimmy Bam, Jay Crowder, Drogic, and Tyler Hero on the floor. Tyler Hero had a great quarter as well. Six points, uh, made two of his three three pointers, which were his only shots. One and of them was clutch. Clutch. Super clutch, man. Yeah. Yeah, like all those players, they can make big-time plays when needed. So when a lot of people or casual fans talk about how the Celtics have the better offensive players, and it's true, but like the Heat, I feel like, have the better... We have strength in numbers. Like We have so many weapons that can really come up clutch in the end of the game that uh, I think that's what's going to make the difference for us. Yeah, like I'm, I really like this lineup for the Heat. 
just because we have so many closers, like so many players that can just step up and take the big shot. If you pay attention to like the score when Tyler Hero made that three, it was 100 to 105. He made that point with a little over a minute left when you have Tyler Hero made that three-pointer. And then following that, the very next play, Jay Crowder made a huge defensive block on Kemba Walker. Yeah, yeah Kemba Walker, they ran an iso play for Kemba yeah. Walker on Jay Crowder. Kemba Walker drove it in and Jay Crowder blocked it. Like, clean yeah. block. And, like, it just, they turned it over because the shot clock ran out. And, like, and his shot clock, and it was a turnover by the team. Shot clock violation. That, mm-hmm. It's a huge, huge break for the Miami Heat. Like, the balls on Tyler Hero to shoot that three, you know, down five with a minute left. Like, he just ran up to three-point line, pump mm-hmm. fake it. He's going to take it no matter what. To pump fake it to shake the defender and still and, and shot it. Wow. Like, that was... He- He's made a lot of like clutch three pointers. Yes, yes, it's impressive how reliable he is in those clutch moments. Like if if the Heat run a play for him to like in the future, give him the last shot, I wouldn't be opposed to it. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Like just to follow up on that after that Jay Crowder block, because mm-hmm. now the score is one hundred three to one hundred five. Now that very next play after Jay Crowder, Jimmy Butler go makes the go ahead go ahead three pointer from the corner. On a pump fake, man. Yeah. He never makes those shots. Or he never (laughs) takes them, period. No, but the moment comes up and he makes those shots. I can't say how much of a closer this guy is. And there's more moments coming up later in the same game where he steps up and man, it's just amazing what this guy is able to do. I, I just I just had to bring this up because it's just play after play after play where the heat players just step up. On both ends like, of the floor. Um, yes, yeah. on both ends of the court. You make a you make a clutch three pointer that puts you that gives you a chance to win the game. You follow that up with a great block, clean block, and then you make another go ahead three pointer. Like this is all within a minute. Yeah. Like within because when Tyler Hero made that three, it was a minute and two seconds left. It was great. Really impressive. Yeah. Well what I like in how they were able to just trim this lead this double-digit lead by the Boston Celtics at, his, at the beginning of the fourth quarter was, like, they led to Bam at the be- beginning. Let Bam do his thing, get to the free-throw line, you know, put the Celtics in foul trouble. They were The Celtics were over the limit with under five minutes left. And then with three minutes left, you know, with the game close, they cut the lead down, they let Jimmy Butler take over. And Jimmy Butler just started creating plays for his teammate. Like, in that play you were talking about, Carson, where Jimmy mm-hmm. Butler made that three-point yeah. shot, and put the heat up by one with like 24 or 22 seconds left. But I just love how like Jimmy Butler was creating shots for his teammate. And then when they needed to score, he was the one to do it. Like he took the responsibility. Like he was like, he was tremendous in those last three minutes, just on offensive and defense defensive end. But on that play where he made that three, like it started with him penetrating he can't. He couldn't get any good looks. He didn't force it. He just went back out, reset, passes to Drag- Goran Dragic. Goran Dragic penetrate. They collapsed on Dragic. He that's where he, Dragic passed it to Jimmy in the in the corner. Jimmy pump faked it, but still was contested. But he still made a three. Like it's just so clutch. Going into that, and and just to for everybody to know, like going into the fourth quarter, Jimmy Butler didn't take a lot of shots. And that's so, what I was worried for, like, because he played a good amount in the third yeah. quarter, but he didn't, like Carson just mentioned, he wasn't taking a lot of shots throughout the entire game. Like, you, can, you can make an argument that he was pretty much cold. He took a total for the first to the second, fourth quarter, from the first quarter to the fourth quarter, he took a total of 11 shots only. 
going into that three-pointer, that was his 11th shot. So he took 10 shots before that. Right. That's it. Like, he pretty much he's cold. I, I mean, I do want to point out that, you know, even though, you know, he only, take, he only took three attempts, like, he was setting up plays for his teammates. He was driving it in, passing it out, and creating good looks for his teammates. Yeah, he only took three attempts, but, like, he was just crucial. Like, the offense was, oh, yeah. was running through through yeah. him. Even though I've said all those good things about the, the Heat, the Boston Celtics, because of that three-pointer, the Boston Celtics uh, were down one point. Mm-hmm. The very next play is the one that I almost broke my TV. <laughs> I yeah, I was I was pretty pissed off by that questionable call. It's not even questionable. It was a blown call. Yeah, they they're trying to set a screen for Kemba Walker. They put Derek Jones Jr. in to guard Kemba Walker. It seemed like Marcus Smart was trying to set a screen for Kemba Walker, and, and it looked yeah. like Kemba Walker pushed Derek Jones Jr. into oh, Marcus Smart. It didn't look like it. It was definitely a push. <laughs> Okay, yes, push Derrick Jones Jr. into Marcus Smart, and they call a foul, I guess a foul on Derrick Jones Jr., mm-hmm. and it led to a free throw by Jason Tatum. It was one free throw because the foul occurred because the ball wasn't in play. It was a dead ball foul. They tied the game up off of that play, off of that missed call. And, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just glad that, you know, when they finally ran the play, final play for the Celtics to try to win it, they got the switch of... Jason Tatum, they gave it to Jason Tatum. They got the switch of Derrick Jones Jr. and Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum just ran out the clock and just took a step back three and missed it off Derrick Jones Jr. And I thought, I thought that was, I thought that was a, like that's your best play with 22 seconds left. You only your tie game. You don't even need a three. Like that was your play, a step back three. Uh, well, you could, you could make an you can make an argument because of that because of that uh, shot that he took. It changed how he was gonna, how the last play in the overtime because Jason Tatum also had when in when we talk when we get to overtime I'll I'll bring that up but that three that Jason Tatum took in the fourth quarter with 22 seconds left that wasn't I don't think it was like I, I agree with you it wasn't a good shot yeah I thought they could have tried I don't know I thought they could have tried a random play for an easier shot yeah <laughs> so yeah Jason Tatum missed a step back three <laughs> to force it <laughs> overtime and mm-hmm. in overtime like I thought. They try to get Bam going again on the elbow, but you know the very first play they they ran to Bam on the elbow, and Jimmy Bird passed it to Bam. And he tried to cut uh, to the basket, but unfortunately, that cut from by Jimmy Bird led got Jason Tatum to run into Bam just to and knock the ball out of Bam's hand and led to a turnover on the very first yep. play overtime. But I think what was fortunate was that Goran Dragic was able to get. Daniel Tyson foul out in overtime and pretty early in <laughs> overtime where they had to put Grant Williams uh yeah into to like he played the majority of overtime because yeah and I think that was crucial three, three minutes and 10 seconds in overtime pretty much the yeah. majority of it. yeah I think that was big again I thought what was crucial for the heat was how they picked on Kemba Walker to set it up they had Tyler Hero driving in Kemba Walker just fouled him and then on inbound play they picked on Kemba Walker again he had Kemba Walker guarding Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder set a pick for Butler, who cut to the rim. But what happened, there was like miscommunication. Both Walker and T- Jason Tatum picked up Jimmy Butler and left Jay Crowder wide open for a three. I don't know, like, in the overtime, like, that was a crucial play. It put the heat up by one with that open three by Jay Crowder. Like, it was just miscommunication or just, like, bad defense by Walker and, like, how could you let Jay Crowder be wide open and like just yeah, overhelping like, on Jimmy Butler? 
and and I don't even think he he even went into position, and mm-hmm. I don't think he ran into it. It looked like because when you when I watched the replay, it looked like he just strolled into position because nobody was guarding him. So he was yeah. just taking a sweet old time to get in, to get there. That was a huge blunder for the Celtics. There was no communication at all. Nobody's like Tatum and Walker. No communication. They both just covered Jimmy Butler and left Jay Carter wide open. Like, oh, that was <laughs> like wow. I was surprised to see that happen. With the Heat up one, the, the Heat played like great defense to just to maintain that lead. Like there was yeah. numerous times, like they they just went to ISO with Jason Tatum or Kemba Walker in in this overtime, and like there was multiple times where Bam was switched onto Jason Tatum, and Bam played great defense on Tatum. Like Tatum could not score every time Bam was uh, guarding him. I mean, it eventually led to a, a very famous play in the last closing seconds, but. I thought what was interesting, I just want to talk about how the Celtics actually got the lead up by one in the closing seconds. They had um, Goran Dragic's foul, got picked up a foul, his fifth foul. I think it was like maybe under 30 seconds left. And they put Andre Iguodala in, but kept Tyler Hero in the play. And then Tyler Hero was left guarding Kemba Walker. And then so on the following inbound play, Kemba Walker drove it on Tyler Hero, took a step back. Two and made it on Tyler Hero to put the Celtics up one with 22 seconds left. To be mm-hmm. fair, if I was Tyler Hero and like looking at his like shooting woes, I would have I, I would prefer him taking the shot than driving it in on Tyler Hero. Well, what I thought was surprising was I think like Kemba Walker, I think he was successful. Like that wasn't his only step back too. Like I, I feel like that was his most successful shot. But what was most puzzling to me was how. You know, they subbed in Iguodala on that play, but they kept Hill in. Like, they had two timeouts. They should have subbed out Hill for Derrick Jones Jr. Yeah, um, that, I, I agree with you. Like, I didn't understand why didn't you just put in their defensive lineup. Yeah, you had two timeouts left. Like, if you grab the rebound, you could still call a timeout and set a play. Like, the Celtics were looking for that matchup. Like, they went straight to Campbell Walker. Tyler Hill was straight up guarding him, and, he, and you know, it led to a step back, too, for Campbell Walker to put the Celtics up one with 22 seconds left. But luckily, we have Jimmy Butler, um, our <laughs> go-to guy in the college, who on the very next play, you know, dribble, you know, got the ball at the top of the key, dribbled, up, dribbled it down to 12 seconds, drove it in on Jason Tatum, laid it in and had the end one. And like Jason Tatum heavily contested the shot. It was a really tough layup by Jason, uh, Jimmy Butler. Like, wow. Yeah, he made, well, it was a, a huge foul. <laughs> For sure, Jimmy Butler got foul. But to power through and lay it in, like, it was, it was, it was so incredible. Fun. So, yeah, it put the heat up, too, because Jimmy Butler made his free throw. And I thought this was a nice play ran by the Celtics. They gave it to Jason Tatum. And beat Jimmy Butler. He wanted, I guess, he wanted revenge on the on the on the play. Like that's he beat. A, that's exactly why I think he went for that dunk. Also, it, because of that three pointer he took in the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. that last play, I feel like he he made an effort. Like, okay, this time I'm definitely going to drive it in. It looked like Jimmy Butler was trying to like, try to guard against the step back three because he was really beaten in that drive. Like, I think there was a switch, and then he he yeah. fell off one step behind okay. on that switch, and then Jason Tatum just charged through a, a straight line drive to the basket, or so he thought. So he thought, but <laughs> because I mean, Jason Tatum came in hot, and, I, and but luckily Bama Bio came up and picked him up, 
and like had a clean block on Jason Tatum. Not only was it a, a clean block, it was his offhand. It was he blocked Jason Tatum with his left hand. Did you guys see the catch that? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Tatum had full force going to that dunk. He had enough height to cock the ball back mm-hmm. and just try to lay like just dunk the crap out of it. They're like wow. that block was out of nowhere. Like out of nowhere. Goodness. Like it was and it was a, such a clean block too. Like no body contact, no hand contact, like just complete block. Dude, I mean, ball. you gotta understand, like if, if since Bam Adebayo was a righty, if he went with his right hand, he would have made body contact with Tatum. It would have been a foul. Yeah, I thought it was incredible he did it with his offhand. Like, oh my goodness. Like definitely one for the for the history books. And so, yeah, yeah, and like right after that, after the monstrous block, they intentionally foul. Uh, Bam with like 2.5 seconds left. But Bam missed one of the free throws. <laughs> like, I can't tell you how many times I've seen the Heat in the closing seconds just miss one of two free throws. It's very frustrating. If Bam made both the free throw, it was game over. But because he only made one of his free throws, the Celtics had a chance to tie it, and they almost did. They was able to they pass shot, it full The Heat court. shot 70, as a team, they shot 75% from, from the free throw line. Like mm-hmm. even before that, those two free throws, Jimmy but- Butler missed two, Crowder missed two. Like if he, if they both of those players just made at least one, like one more, one of them just had to make one more, they wouldn't have been in overtime. I mean that last play by the Celtics to pass it full court to Jason Tatum, and he almost made the three. Yeah. Wow, wow, that was stressful. But yeah, that's the end of the game. But wow, what? Stressful, just stressful. That was stole, such a good game. Stole that game from the Celtics. You know, I'm really curious to see what the second game is going to look like. I kind of want to talk about the Celtics now. What we did to Kemba, I thought it was incredibly impressive. You know, being able to slow him down, given our how we're not as talented on the defensive end for our guards. But I'm also I'm kind of curious as to why Jalen Brown wasn't as yeah I was talk about that. in the game. It just mm-hmm. felt like he wasn't really there. Although he had a huge offensive rebound, I think, in yeah. the fourth quarter. But um, I felt like he was extremely underused. He had a really slow yeah. or read a really bad first quarter. I think he went one for five. But he just kind of disappeared after that. What and, are you talking about? He was the best three-point shooter. He was three for four. Well, they waited a lot. I still plays for Campbell Walker and Jason Tatum. And, like, he wasn't the main offensive weapon for the Celtics. Like The ball was on Campbell Walker's hand. They used J- Jalen Brown as a spot-up shooter. He took 14 shots, right? Jason Tatum took 24. Marcus Mart had 18. And Campbell Walker had 19. I say they underutilized him. I really like how the Heat realized that. In, the, in that closing minute, when they put Jay Crowder on to guard Campbell Walker... They left Tyler Hero. Uh, they 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 hide Tyler Hero and Jalen Brown, and sometimes <laughs> even Goran Dragic will be hiding on him because they realize they're not even going to. They're not even using Jalen Brown, so they put Goran Dragic or Tyler Hero on Jalen Brown. I thought that was that was excellent. Like that was good coaching. He's one of the better athletes in the whole in the whole floor. To not have him being set up against like Dragic or Hero or. Or Duncan Robinson, I thought uh-huh. that was a huge underutilization of him, just because he could probably take against any one of those guys very easily, force a double team, and now you're looking for more open shots. So, so I won to your point, Stephen. I wonder because there was reports uh, before Game One that, or after Game Seven in that uh, Boston Raptors series, that Jalen Brown was talking about how he had like a groin type injury and like he was feeling it, and but he should seven. be able to play. Yeah. 
I wonder if that if it, it was if it's still a lingering issue for him. Oh, even better for the Heat then. Yeah, I mean, I I mean that's 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 my theory and why yeah. he was like so un, underutilized in this game. Like, I I don't think he really played as a playmaker in the whole game. Also, I really am curious to see if Bam is gonna be more aggressive towards the basket. I know that we talked about how, I mean, he was very crucial in our offense by having nine assists mm-hmm. and playmaking for the entire roster, but... Shooting-wise, he struggled, I think. But yeah, Exactly. Yeah. And I, I think it kind of begs a question as to how is Daniel Tice really being successful as, at slowing Bam down. And I think if, if the Celtics are able to keep Bam as a playmaker, and not a scorer, I mean, as a playmaker, not a scorer, I think that's a win for the Celtics. Uh, because eventually they're going to be able to clamp down on his passing lanes. Yeah, I think more to your point, what you mentioned uh, last week, Stephen, you were talking about how the Celtics are great at like contesting, they're, they're collapsing on dribble penetration, and I thought they did pretty good when Bam tried to do that. Like they would send help on Bam like, or double Bam, he was having trouble, and like he had, a few times when they send a double, they, they picked Bam off, like stole the ball from him. Um, so I, I would like to see Bam adjust to that and see how else just handled the double team much more fe- effectively. And I think what really worked for Bam in this game was that when he was playmaking, he was at the free throw line or behind. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he's not in deep into the paint where right. he's, he get collapsed on and, you know, get, get stripped or... And, and to be fair, every time he drove in, it felt like Wanamaker was tripping him or him. <laughs> To, for him to be effective at that range, it kind of played, you know, he had to be effective from that range just because if he stepped into, I guess, that area, like, it, it was bound to be a problem for him or anyone else. I think Jimmy mm-hmm. had problems with that as well. I think yeah. the only guy that really had success being able to make plays into the paint, driving into the paint, was Drogic. I'm curious to see if Bam is going to try to assert himself more driving into the paint or are we just really going to give up that, you know, that that play because... Bam is going to have to be more effective scoring points, I think, eventually in this game and in the series. He might, he might have to take like those 10 footers, but I don't want him to take 10 footers. Thing was, he it was kind of the same thing against the Bucks. Like the Bucks took away his like driving into the rim and taking the back. Like Bam was really efficient in those mid range shots. I, I think for comparing the Celtics to the Bucks. I think the Bucks are just so tall and athletic that he really has no okay. sh- no right. no option for to drive mm-hmm. it in. Mm-hmm. But I guess the Celtics, I mean, they're they're very small ball. Daniel Tice, I think it's six nine. He can't really jump, although he's very he's got really long arms. If we can utilize that as an effective weapon, it, I think it, it'll it'll just open up our our offensive capabilities a lot more and uh, one last thing i wanted to mention like i you know as far as the game itself as a whole it's a huge win for us just because like marcus smart has 26 points Mm -hmm. and in my mindset is marcus smart is getting 15 points that's a huge win for the celtics to me in my mind if we can keep brown tatum and walker to a low percentage kind of like we what we did in this game that's a huge win and we're still able to win with marcus smart uh scoring 26 points and Brett want to make her scoring 11 points. It's a huge win for us, I think. And I, I think yeah. it's going to be I, a very I positive agree. outlook for us. I agree. The, the Heat pretty much stole this one. I think one point for me is, like I mentioned last week, I, I, I think Duncan Robinson needs to get it going. I think I mean, you mentioned this before the podcast, Carson, that mm-hmm. you know Duncan Robinson 
getting in foul trouble, not playing a lot of minutes, allowed Tyler Hero to step up. And that's true. And Tyler Hero did step up. He almost had a triple double in this yeah. game. And I thought he, he Tyler Hero had grabbed some really tough rebounds, like yeah. really contested rebounds. Like I was really impressed by that. Um, I always thought he was an underrated rebounder for like a rookie. He, he has a knack for finding the ball. Yeah. What I'm not impressed by was, uh, you know, with Duncan Robinson not playing out of minutes, it, it leads to Kendrick Nunn has to kind of fill those minutes. Uh-huh. Um, uh, yeah, that's why Duncan Robinson need to get it going. The less minutes Kendrick Nunn plays, I think the best. Um, to kind of summarize how I feel about Kendrick Nunn and with some how he, he performed this game, he had the worst plus minus in this game. I know it, individual plus minus is not really telling, but a minus 10 in just 13 minutes of play is very telling. He had four fouls. Why that was really bad. Three oh, yeah. of those four fouls were shooting fouls. So you think, oh, that leads to six free throws. No, it was seven free throws because he fouled Kemba Walker on that three point. Yeah. So like, not only was he not scoring points, he gave up so many points for free throws and for his defense. Like, yeah, he was, yeah, the less minutes played by Kendrick Nunn, I think the better. And that's why Duncan Robinson needs to get going and not continue to struggle man that's a great point i mean i i don't want to i understand why he's in the game like he he represents a three-point threat at least the idea of him represents a three-point threat because there's no because the only really other options like andre Godala or or even derrick jones jr uh or really the only really other alternative is derrick jones jr and i think i think none is when he's playing like his real self is a much better offensive player than Derek Jones Jr., but he's just not getting it going. Like he's just, yeah, he, he's he, lost a step. I agree. He's just not ready. I mean, I I don't blame him. You know, it takes. You know, he is a rookie. He missed training camp. He 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 had a huge setback. It takes a lot to get ready for the NBA, and now he's being thrown into really tough competition. You know, in the playoffs against really tough defense. Is he's just he's not ready. And but what other alternatives do we have? Not much. Yeah, yeah. I, I, like, I like completely agree because he there was also uh, there was also um, somebody I forgot which reporter reported that he also had like a personal problem, right. which is why he had to leave the bubble for one day. So you're, you're so you also got to figure out like maybe that's also the reason why he's not playing well at all. Like there's something going on in in his life that's his mind is not in the game right now. I just think he didn't have time to get ready for the NBA yeah, season. That, and that also. And now there's no time. There's no time for him to get yeah, ready. Pretty much thrown in. Yeah, and that's, that's all I have to say about this game, this exciting game. And I'm just curious to see like what counters are the Celtics going to try. Yeah, the ball's on their court. Um, yeah. I think one of the biggest questions that people had was, can the, can the superior Boston Celtics three-point defense slow down our three-point offense, which was a no in this game? And then yeah, can really our not. defense slow down their three stars, Brown, Tatum, and Walker, which we did? I think those were two big questions that people were wondering that I think we came out on top. And the Celtics, like I mentioned before, had a plus 26 points from Smart on top of all of that, and we still won. So, Like one of the, one of the players that I said that would be crucial for the Celtics, if one of the Celtics starters don't, if either Kemba, Tatum, or Brown don't play well. He pretty much pick up the slack. He scored 26 points. Those three main guys for the Celtics, Brown, Tatum, and Walker, they, I mean, they all didn't shoot well. And I'm curious to see how Brad Stevens is going to try to get easier shots for 
I'm expecting Jalen Brown for next game. I don't know if he's really hurt or not, but like he needs to get more involved because I think he could be a huge, huge uh, mismatch for for our defense. So, but again, our playmaker too, right? They just yep. I thought down down to stretch. He went way too much to ISO ball to Celtics. I yeah. that that wasn't their strength. I I don't I kind of don't blame uh, Brad Stevens to let Tatum for ISO ball because I think Tatum was like top ten when it came to, like, uh, ISO plays mm-hmm. and being able to convert on ISO plays. All right. Do you guys have anything else to add? Nope. Uh, game two, Thursday. We'll see We'll see what the changes are. Okay. On that note, we're going to close out the podcast. Stay tuned for our episode on Sunday, and we're going to cover the following games in the Eastern Conference Finals. So stay tuned, guys. Have a good night. Take care.